0: Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. happy to sit in a room where people feel weird and awkward, nervous and tired, where our neighbors are laughing and George downstairs is playing his music. To me, the beauty of the practice is that we can just show up and learn how to express just what is happening. To me, very often people ask, well, what's required for this practice? Well, everything. not living in a dream, but learning to slowly allow the veil to soften. And sometimes the veil just falls away. And how do we cultivate a life and a practice where we're not dilly-dallying around our own practice, but really entering it? And allowing it to enter us some people describe meditation as a kind of gym where you kind of work it out in your brain <laughs> and from a certain perspective that's true For me, what I'm most interested in is liberation, moment by moment, from my conditioned way of responding and reacting, so that I can be more of use in the world. And as much as I love the gym, which I do, it's a very different thing. Wonderful poet Motsima, she says, I am not strong or weak. I'm exactly whatever the situation requires. (coughs) What would that be like? Just to be attuned and intimate with whatever is happening. going beyond our top layer of preferences and opinions. How we feel about it, how we don't feel about it. And going into what is required. To me, the practice is in many ways not mysterious at all. And of course, imbued with mystery. What we need to do is so plain, (coughs) and yet we wait and wait, and wait. I'll go deep later. I'll go deep next week when we go on retreat. (laughs) I'll go deep deep. deep. next week when we start our practice period for 90 days. The practice period is really only designed to show you how you can live all the time. So we make a commitment to do a practice period because we want to commit and live more by vow, or maybe completely by vow. Instead of our usual opinions and preferences, learn how to show up. Soften our bullshit. Unless you feel like that is actually nourishing you. I mean, if you really feel like your opinions and preferences are nourishing to you, you probably wouldn't be here. What are you doing here? Is this some idea? Get a little fix? Did will look got a little zen on? <laughs> that might be OK. Could be helpful. Are you present to who's speaking? Are you off in a dream? Rarely we are actually where we think we are. We're so often in some discursive, thoughtful, boring, habitual space. At least that's my experience. And what brought me to this practice and brought me to a commitment to the practice. Because I found for many years while I was practicing, I was really so into my preferences. Well, it's not really convenient to come tonight. I'd rather go see Sally or whoever. I constantly had some urgent knitting to do, (laughs) a macrame owl to make. It's so fascinating what we invent becomes so important as opposed to taking the medicine we need. One student once asked my Zumi Roshi, "You know, I, I, I really want to come a session, and I know it's really important. And I uh, mean, you know, I'm just having a lot of difficulties, and you know, I really have to move things around, and I'm not sure I can move things around." And he was just sitting there, like, mm-hmm. and you know, and I'm not sure if I can get a dog sitter, and you know, it just sort of like went on and on. And my Zumi just sat there he said, you know, Session is not important. Don't bother. And then the person somehow found solutions to all of their barriers that they were creating, real and imagined. And came to Session and the first talk, Maizumi said, Session is the most important thing you can do. We don't take the medicine. Then we want our teacher to tell us what to do. which is not actually what a Zen teacher is there for. They're there to show up with you where you are. And it's really up to you what you do with them. They're not, to please, they're not there to please you, to affirm you. They're just there to be with you. It can be maddening because we play out all of our stuff. But the beauty of the practice is we get to just look at our stuff and just soften around it and realize, wow, for at least 2,600 years, 88 generations, people have been working out their stuff and learning how to come to a place of quiet, How amazing is that? I tend to generally feel intense comfort knowing that there's been a long river of people willing to struggle. Daiju was a monk, and he visited Master Basso, who was quite a wonderful Zen teacher. And Basso asked his student, well, what is it that you seek? Enlightenment, says Daiju. The teacher said, you have your own treasure house. Why do you seek elsewhere? Ijo said, well, where is my treasure house? hearing what his teacher is saying. His teacher then said, well, what you're asking is your treasure house. At that, And from then on, for many, many years, Daijo would say to all his friends Open your treasure house. Open your treasure <laughs> house. Open your treasure house. What are you waiting for? Open it up. So sweet to be that generous. Open it up. And then he would say, and use your treasure. It's so amazing how we don't trust what actually we know to be true. So like we don't really appreciate just like what we are, what our nature is. Another monk, Bansam, was walking through a market and he was met a butcher and overheard the butcher talking to one of his clients. <clears throat> and the client said, give me the best piece of meat that you have. I have all the money I need. And the butcher just looked at him and said, every piece of meat I have is the best meat that I have. What's he pointing to? The gizzards are the best meat that he has. The bones, intestines, and heart, lungs even, kidneys, liver, all are the best. What are you waiting for? Open your treasure house. And use your treasure. It's definitely not the only way, but for me, the only way that I've found for myself is full commitment. Or as I often think of it as just get to the end of the hokey pokey (laughs) and put your whole self in. I find it incredibly satisfying. The elbow, the one leg. definitely not my path. And it doesn't mean that we ever arrive perfectly because there's no arrival. Bernie Tetsugin Glassman He was a wonderful model of that. He was incredibly wise, incredibly visionary and sometimes could be a total ass. Just like anybody and so loving, so caring and not perfect and not even interested in perfection. and yet completely practicing in his perfect, imperfect way. Even in his last days, thinking about his teacher and his teacher's teachers and what he learned from them. He was devoted, really, to lineage. This is about a different Tetsugan. Same name, same Dharma name. He really, this guy really wanted to publish Sutras. He really wanted other people to have access to these teachings that were only available in Chinese. And the books had to be printed at that time with giant wooden blocks. And he wanted, he was just very clear that he wanted 7,000 copies. That was his idea. A tremendous undertaking to say the least. He began traveling for about seven years, slowly collecting donations for this project. People gave him hundreds and hundreds of pieces of gold. And sometimes he just received a coin or some rice. All of it he received the same. He thanked each donor with equal gratitude. And after 10 years, he had enough to make these sutra books. And it happened at that time, the Uji River right outside of Kyoto overflowed. And famine followed that. And he used the funds he had collected for the books to save others and to feed them. Then he began again his collecting, fresh and new, back to his project. Several years afterwards, he collected all the money again And at that same time, an epidemic spread across the country. And he gave away all that he had collected to help people. Imagine that. So sure that you think that you're doing the right thing for the right purpose. And just freely giving. To me, that's the beautiful example of this commitment to practice. It's not about the form, but about how you are. For the third time after the famine, he began collecting the work again as an old man. This time it took him 20 years To collect all the money because he was much slower. And yet every day, the printing blocks were carved. And he produced his first edition of the sutra books that are exist today in Obaku monastery in Kyoto, you can go see them. They're quite beautiful. When I was in Japan, people talk about him and what they tell their children as a teaching story about, that it's really not the sutra books that you can see in Obaku Monastery, but the first two sets of sutra books that are the most beautiful. The invisible sets of sutra books that fed people, that cared for people. How will you practice? And for what? Rumi says, today, like every other day, we wake up empty and frightened. Don't just open the door and start reading, don't believe the story. Take down a musical instrument. Like the beauty we love, be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Thank you.